as always, ladies, this podcast and the information being provided to you is for educational and informational purposes only, and it should not be taken as medical advice. It is not intended to treat or cure any specific illness, and it is not to replace the guidance provided by your own medical practitioner. This information is to be used at your own risk based on your own judgment. And if you suspect you have a medical problem, we urge you to take appropriate action by seeking medical attention. Welcome to the She Talks Health podcast, dedicated to guiding and supporting women on their journey to optimal thyroid health. I'm Sophie Shepard, your host and mind-body wellness coach, here to bring you inspiring stories of resilience, education, and transformation. Do you want to stop walking through life feeling like a zombie and start being present? Are you sick of struggling with depression, constipation, hair loss, crippling fatigue, weight gain, cold intolerance, and irregular periods? Do you wish that you had a direct pathway to taking back your mental and physical well-being? Well, my friend, you are in the right place. As a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, I help women transform their thyroid health through physical, mental, and emotional healing. I am so excited to be your guide on this health adventure. Let's embark together on a path that leads to relief, joy, empowerment, and normalcy that you've been seeking. Get ready to feel the strength of shared experiences and the power of possibility. Welcome to the She Talks Health Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome back. Today's guest on the She Talks Health podcast is Patrick Murphy, a somatic coach. And Patrick works with people to tap into the tremendous wisdom in our bodies and helps them overcome anxiety, perfectionism, and overthinking and past trauma. He's pretty incredible. And in this episode, we discuss what does somatic mean, how to reframe negative emotions, how to get in touch with our body's innate wisdom for healing, looking at judgment and how can we shift that to curiosity and to get in touch with all of the parts of us. We did a pretty deep dive into parts work or internal family systems work and how our bodies work to protect us. We discussed the four stages of stress and how stress gets stored in the body. And we also talked about the biggest misconception people have about de-stressing and the nervous system work that's required. At the end, Patrick gave us two amazing somatic exercises for you to get started to know your body and to start using your voice. If you want to learn more about Patrick, you can go to his Instagram at murph.live or his website, murph.live.com. And his free gift to you today is the seven-day anxiety reset. If you found this podcast valuable or know anyone that would, please share it, leave us a review. And if you're looking to connect with me directly, you can reach me in my DMs on Instagram at SheTalksHealth or via my website, SheTalksHealth.com. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the She Talks Health podcast. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, and I'm so excited to have a friend and amazing human being on the podcast today, Patrick Murphy. And Patrick believes that tapping into the tremendous wisdom in our bodies is the key to unlocking our biggest, boldest vision for our future. He is a somatic coach who guides leaders and entrepreneurs seeking to overcome anxiety, perfectionism, overthinking, and past trauma. He arrived at this mission through his own healing journey of healing the wounds of growing up with an alcoholic father. 
with a background in corporate advertising sales, founding a tech company and multiple entrepreneurial endeavors. He knows what it's like to be the high performer who struggles with crippling anxiety behind the scenes. His mission is to guide others to become their own self-healers through learning the same knowledge and tools that helped him on his own healing journey. Welcome to the She Talks Health podcast, Patrick. Thanks. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, it's really great to have you here. And I just in looking through your bio, so much of this is something I can relate to. Anxiety, perfectionism, overthinking. You know, when we've had private like friend conversations, we talked about how we could both really resonate with that journey and also how so many of our clients are struggling with those exact things. So I'm so excited to start to open up the conversation for people on my podcast and my audience who maybe have never even heard of somatics or don't know what you're talking about or don't even know that there's another way to think about these things like anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I've noticed is I, I tend to work with a lot of people who have actually done a lot of healing work and they may be like years into their healing journey, but they don't know what somatic work is. And like the word is foreign to them. And so I run into people all the time that like I assume that they would know like what it means because I personally know that they've done a bunch of work, but they don't. So everybody knows what somatic work yeah, is. Yeah, I would right? love for you. Um, <laughs> Good definition. <laughs> that, that's where I was going with this. So it comes from the Greek word, the Greek root soma, which is essentially just of the body. And somatic work is all about being connected to your body, being connected to the sensations, being connected to everything that is happening in and of your body. And it's we're, we're essentially just conditioned these days to be in our heads, right? And even if you look at, let's say, kind of most therapy, right? Like kind of the most common form of therapy is talk therapy. And I'm a huge proponent of that. That has gotten me so far in my healing journey. However, things kind of took a next level when I discovered somatic work. Because so often, like we have these difficult sensations in our bodies, like whether it be just a sensation or an emotion, I'm a huge fan of there are no negative emotions. There's only difficult emotions mm -hmm. because negative kind of makes us shy away from them, right? And whereas saying this is a difficult emotion, that automatically invites compassion. Because think about going through talking to a friend or like seeing a friend through something, right? You're not sitting there saying, oh, they're going through a negative experience. They say they're going through a difficult time mm -hmm. or they're going through a hard time. And so that immediately invites compassion. And that's the same thing we, we do with somatic work, where we get you out of your head, we get you dropped into your body, and we get you resourced, and we get to provide the tools for you to be able to sit with the emotions, the sensations, the things that are arising in your body. Mm. And, and so let's take anxiety, for example. Anxiety typically starts with a sense of alarm in your body. And that sense of alarm is generally something we immediately just kind of want to escape from, right? Mm -hmm. And so we yeah. kind of jump into our heads and we're like, all right, how do I get out of this? How do I stop this difficult sensation? Well, that typically just makes it grow, whether it be in the moment or over time. And so, yeah, somatic work is all about getting you resource, getting you uh, to a place where you're able to just sit with that sensation. And then sometimes draw the story from it or draw the thing that it's trying to tell you because mm -hmm. these sensations are always trying to tell us something. Oh, wow. So good. This is going to be a great podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. I can already tell. So a lot of you, you said a lot of things, but just to recap, 
that soma of the body being connected to your body. And one of the things I love that I'm sure everyone here was also like, ooh, is get out of your head and into your body. And your body does hold so much wisdom. So being able to tap into that is incredible. It also, when you're describing like how you relate to a difficult emotion, really reminds me also of internal family systems and parts work where we have these different parts of us and they might be an emotion or it might be a sensation in the body or it might be your diagnosis with thyroid disease or your anxiety, right? And making it be almost like a just a part or a separation from you that is maybe telling you something. And I found this in my training to be one of the hardest things when I was learning and experiencing the different modalities because I, like everyone else, probably just, oh, I hate this part of me. I hate this emotion. I don't want to feel anxiety. Get out of my body. Get out. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And I always think of it as, because it's usually for me, it's always rooted in my childhood or a difficult time to bring that phrase back. And so it brings up a lot for me. And But I realized to your point that if you... try to silence that or squash that, it only gets louder because if I kind of think of it as the little version of me or the little girl in me or this thing, like, why would we try to deny that part of us, right? That That's just like something that needs to be heard. And just like we know that when we're not heard, when we're silenced or we don't feel appreciated, it makes us react, be reactive. So I love this almost like meeting this difficult emotion with compassion so that you can ultimately feel better. Incredible. Yeah. And I love that you introduced the concept of parts work because that is kind of immediately the next step of where I typically go with clients or anybody that I'm kind of guiding through a process is it generally feels like this sensation of I'm just going to use anxiety probably throughout this, this episode, just as the primary example, because I think that's generally how most people, at least in my experience, most people kind of just present with anxiety and then we can break it down. I would say say definitely all of my clients, it's anxiety. It would be the word or worry or yeah. Yeah. So we'll just use anxiety. Anxiety, like I said, presents as that sense of alarm in your body. And so it's pretty easy to cognitively go to, oh my gosh, like all of me feels like I'm on fire right now, or all of me feels tense right now, because physically, your whole body or a very kind of acute part of your body, where maybe you're feeling like that intense sensation, it feels like that. So it's easy to make that assumption. However, to your point, that's just a part of you. There is a part of you that is screaming for attention. There is a part of you that's, oh my gosh, no, I don't want to do this new thing because it's scary and we've never done it before because of course like our brains are wired from to look to the past and to look for data in the past to support whatever decisions you're making moving forward. And they're also wired for survival. And so even if let's kind of in modern day, it's yeah, we're at least most of us, we're not running from like lions and tigers and whatnot. But even let's say in the business world, if you're going to start a new job, or if you are going to leave your job and start an entrepreneurial endeavor or whatnot, that sense of alarm that's kind of in our reptilian brains, like in the amygdala and whatnot, goes nuts. But that's just a part of you. That's the protector part of you that is trying to keep you safe, that's trying to say, okay, well, like we need money to survive. We need money to eat and house ourselves and all these different things. So from the lens of parts work, We'll sit there and say, oh, the protector part of me. And I'm really big on naming the parts. 
Yeah, naming and, the it because even in just naming it, keeping it as almost separate, not all of who you are. Exactly. Because yeah. okay. we are made up. We're all made up of different parts. Like we have our inner child. We have the wise self. We have the higher self, right? I mean, let's say for me, there's the entrepreneur part of me. There's also like the scared part of me that's, oh, what if this isn't going to work? There's the comedian part of me that just like really likes to kind of joke around and play and whatnot. So all these different parts, but I, I can name them all. And I've even gone as far as to give them actual like human names. The protector part of me, I named Charlie. And I'm like, oh, hey, Charlie, like what's going on? And I literally imagine when that sense of alarm goes off in my body, I imagine myself sitting across a table from them, like a high top at a bar or something. And I just like slide over a beer and I'm like, hey, what's going on right now? And then Charlie's, okay, well, this isn't going to work for all of these reasons. And here's why you should stop doing this and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, man, you're really scared right now, aren't you? And I kind of talk to him like a little kid sometimes because part of that is my inner child, right? Where it's, oh my gosh, like this scared part of me. And so they just want to be seen and heard. Mm -hmm. And even like in a moment where let's say you're in a meeting and you get triggered as hell, right? Where you don't really have time to sit and actively do parts work. You can sit there and just say, oh, hey, Charlie, I see you right now, but can you sit over here yeah. right now? I'll get to you after the meeting. And this takes time. It takes practice, right? And so like you can either kind of do your own little full-blown like self-healer parts work session. Or like I said, like in the meeting, you get to a point where the parts of you are used to being seen. They're used to being heard. So Charlie then trusts you know what? He's right. Like I've actually seen him come back to me after the meeting a few times, like after we've mm -hmm. gotten triggered and you begin to develop this deep sense of trust with yourself. That's everything. Like just this deep sense of trust with self. Like I see it with clients all the time where, especially with past trauma, we don't trust ourselves. Like I'm just going to use myself as an example because yeah. growing up with an alcoholic dad, shit would happen. <laughs> and I just never quite knew sometimes if he was going to blow up at me or if some sort of like little emergency was going to go on where he'd be like, you have to clean up this mess and you can't go to football practice. And now I'm going to be late for football practice. And so no matter like what I tried to say to him, it wouldn't matter because like, well, we, I had to take care of whatever kind of thing that he was dealing with in the moment. And so I had to deny these parts of myself. And I learned that, well, I was conditioned. I would say I, I learned and have since unlearned <laughs> that I can't trust what's going on in my body. I can't trust my higher self, my inner wisdom of, no, I need to go to football practice right now. If I'm late, I'm going to have to run laps. And my dad always taught me like, nope, honor your commitments, be on time with a million exceptions. Because if he needed something in the moment, all of that went out the window. So it just creates this like battle inside myself of, well, hold on. Can I trust myself? Can I trust that I like need to be on time for this football practice or do I need to sit down? And there's just this constant state of worry going on. And then that led to me overthinking everything. And it still happens sometimes, like it still comes up. So. Wow. It's nice to meet all the parts of us too. I mean, it's, I think we can be very judgmental about those parts. So I love the idea of you're just having a beer with a friend or a friend that's worrying. And 
I also th- think it's great that you mentioned kind of the practical. You're not always going to be in a position where you're calmly sitting at home and you can do inner child or parts work like in the moment. But if you can create trust within yourself, then you start to see that you can put it. I'm going to come back to you. And this is really interesting because I work mostly with women with thyroid autoimmune disease and kind of like chronic health issues. And one of the biggest things that I hear from them is I don't trust my body. Like I don't trust it. It it always fails me. Or why does my body not cooperate with me? And I 100% know that those have been parts for me to work through and feeling really like there isn't a relationship with self. So this idea of deeply trusting yourself to me, it's everything. I will just also speak from personal experience that even within business, there's a lot of loud, there's a lot of times there's very like loud voices. This is how you should do marketing. This is how you should run your health coaching business. This is how you should, like all the shoulds, even if the person isn't saying should, you're interpreting it to mean that you should be a certain way. And I'm in year six now, and I'm just now starting to unwind all the shoulds. Do this the way that I want to do it, which, which includes this podcast, actually. Like, this is one of the first episodes of the relaunch of this podcast. And part of the exercise in relaunching this podcast was, like, trusting self. Like, because there's all this input all the time. And so whether it's an alcoholic father or a very loud business mentor or your cousin or whatever, there's a lot of influence on us. and so. What I find is like there's this disintegration of self because you're like looking outside of yourself all the time, either as a safety mechanism or as a protection or as a I want to be safe or I want to be loved or I want to be held in that. And if I agree with this person, if I go along with the norm, then I'm safe or I'm liked or I'm appreciated. So, yeah, just that deep sense of trust with self is such a practice. And what I think it's everything. I really think that's everything right there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you actually touched on something that's so crucial. Our our natural reaction sometimes is to judge these parts of ourselves. And especially like when you get onto like kind of a healing and expansive journey, you learn kind of like you said, okay, well, this is what I should do, even though some of the stuff like, yes, like you need to follow your own inner wisdom. And there's so many messages and ways of doing things and coaches of coaches out there that are like, but you've got to be completely shameless and blah, 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 blah. And And that gets stuck in our heads. And then, so, I mean, I actually work with a lot of folks who, like I said, like they've done a lot of healing work and some of it, you kind of have to undo it. I mean, I've been on this journey myself, like actually, so true story. A few months ago, my therapist fired me, not really fired me, but like kind of fired me because she was like, you need to stop doing self-work. Like you're fine. Stop reading the book. Stop listening to the podcast. And she was like, we're not going to schedule another session and we're just going to see how it goes. Yeah, totally. And that has created so much more space for like me to flourish, for me to blossom and for me to synthesize and alchemize all of the things in the books and like the modalities and all of these things, but to create my own magic, like my own way of being from all all of these different things. And holy shit, it's so fun. It's so much more fun than like me looking outside of myself and be like, oh my gosh, well, like this somatic practitioner is doing it this way. Or like this person, like one of the things that I've been really, and I'm kind of actively blossoming into right now is like just letting the comedic side of me come out. Because like you and I both know, yes, we do very serious work. But at the same time, like we cannot take this stuff too seriously because when it becomes too serious, that becomes a burden in and of itself. 
Like when we're so serious about the, the healing work and we're like white knuckling it, like that creates its own anxiety. That creates its own loop that like also then needs to be healed. And so like I know you, the other day, like you and I were just sharing funny memes about this, <laughs> the healing process. And we were laughing about it because they were just like so absurd. And it's, oh no, like, but the thing is, like we have to laugh along the way. Like we have to just be able to have this like levity about this deep work. And in a lot of ways, like in certain situations, especially with past trauma, like that laughter is eventually, like it's a sign of healing. Like it's a sign of growth. Like even if you're laughing at like, just like the deepest, darkest, most horrible things that have happened to you in the past. Like when you're, when you get to that point where you can kind of joke around about it a little bit. And I, I'm cautious right now. Of, well, if you're not at that point, like if you're listening, you're not at that point, that's okay. And that's not necessarily like a goal. So like it's, it's a spectrum, right? Because I'm also in that. I just got out of a year long mentorship in learning how to do neurolinguistics programming, hypnosis, a little bit of somatics and deep subconscious mindset reprogramming. And in order to be trained in that, I had to go through my own stuff. And it has been a heavy year. And I think it's like, it's hard either way, right? Because if you are carrying around these burdens from your past or these patterns from your past, or you're just totally disconnected from yourself, that is hard, right? Because then you're kind of probably walking around getting triggered all day long. It is challenging to do this work sometimes. Like it's, it's confronting and it's, wow, I really kind of sometimes I'll be like, man, I wish I wasn't like that, right? Like there's that judgment thing coming up. So, I mean, I'm, a, I'm like, I guess like a year and a half later, I'm like, okay, I'm in the same boat. Like I'm not in any active mentorship right now just because... I needed a little bit of a pause, but I went super deep into it. And now I feel like I'm pretty well resourced to relax the nervous system, which is kind of like the other thing I wanted to ask you about, which is we hear a lot like that emotions get stored in the body and there's all this talk about the nervous system. So how does like the nervous system and stress getting stored in our bodies, how does all that relate to somatic work? Because I think a lot of people can relate to the idea of, oh, I'm stressed out oh, my stomach hurts because I'm stressed. I can't think straight because I'm stressed or like that to me is like the connection. But I would love to hear from a somatic coach like yourself what you feel like that those connections are. Yeah, so, I mean, some folks listening, like you might have heard the phrase, the body keeps the score or the issues are in the tissues, right? Those are two like pretty common phrases that people hear, let's say in like the healing space, but especially in the somatic space. But at the same time, it's okay. People are like, all right, I, I kind of get it. So this like bad energy gets stored in me. And then eventually manifests itself as like cancer or thyroid issues or just hip pain or whatever. But there's the science of all of that is still catching up to a degree. And the best way, the most effective way that I've been able to kind of demonstrate and explain this to people is now, first of all, do not do this if you are driving right now. Wait until you're at home, like in a safe space with a solid floor underneath you and stand up. And just start shaking, like just start shaking and start like running in place, like just doing go like really fast, like a little kid. Oh, my gosh. And just go crazy. And then all of a sudden. So do that for a minute or two and then freeze. Just stop doing it and feel that sensation in your body. Feel what's happening in your body because you go from really heightened state to then just freeze. Where is that energy going to go? That's a really uncomfortable state to be in of, oh my gosh, like all of this energy is trying to move. And then all of a sudden I just froze. I'm not letting that energy move. I'm not letting that stress cycle complete. I'm not letting it go anywhere. So 
it's got to stay in your body. Mm -hmm. And so it's going to find its way wherever, like in your body, and it's going to get stored there. And kind of pretty common, let's say past trauma symptoms or kind of issues in the tissues, bodies, like you're just going to feel muscle soreness, like you'll feel really tight hips, you'll feel all sorts of things. And I can actually, I'll share a personal story right now. So EMDR is a therapy modality. It's a uh, PTSD modality that has been wildly effective for me in my life. I started it eight years ago with my therapist. She introduced me to it. Same therapist that just fired you? (laughs) Same therapist that just fired me, yes. (laughs) So she introduced me to this and I did it very regularly for about three to four years. And in the past like year and a half, have started kind of dabbling in it here and there just to kind of take care of some things that have kind of arisen as a result of a, a then new relationship and whatnot, because relationships are always going to stir up our stuff, right? Relationships <laughs> and, and business ownership is, oh, hello, come meet all the problems that you think you didn't have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I always say, if you want to go on a self journey and a, or even a spiritual journey, start a business. It's absolutely going to stir up all your stuff. So no question about that. But so a few months ago, I was sitting there in an EMDR session and I'm sitting like cross-legged on the couch, which I didn't used to be able to do. And no joke, as a result of doing EMDR and some of this trauma work, my hips have actually loosened up, but they're still kind of tight. So I'm sitting there and I'm going through this. I actually don't remember specifically what it was, but I was working through just something from the past that had come up in EMDR And as I worked through it, as I saw like teenage Patrick and I told him like, hey, it doesn't have to be this way. And I just kind of did the healing work and the inner child work with him. I physically in that moment felt my right hip release. Whoa. Uh, Like I'm not even no joke. Like I physically felt my right hip release and I was like, oh my gosh. And I was able to actually like in that cross-legged position, get my knee all the way down to touch the floor which I have never, ever been able to do in the past. And I can actually, because usually when I'm sitting cross-legged, I actually have to sit like on a cushion. And even like previously, I wasn't even able to sit cross-legged like on a cushion, like a meditation cushion or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Now I can actually fully sit on the floor cross-legged and be comfortable. And two, three years ago, like that was not something. So so this is the power of somatic work. This is what I mean by the issues are in the tissues. There was a connection between that past moment, that past trauma and the tightness in my right hip. Yeah. And I know the science is still catching up, but what I notice in my practice working with people on this stuff in different modality, but very similar is like, because when we're young, we don't necessarily have the resources or the tools to handle what's coming at us. We we have something happen. And I just want to be really clear if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't have any trauma. Okay, let me just, let's just talk about that for a second. I would define trauma as anything that overrides the nervous system. So it doesn't have to be big T trauma. It doesn't have to be that you are the child of an alcoholic father. There can just be situations that happen and you don't know what to do with it. And so the body, what I'm finding, what I find is that the body is so smart and it wants to preserve your life. And so it will do whatever it needs to do to keep you alive. And I'll just give an example from a session yesterday. We were doing um, some timeline work, which is very similar to EMDR, um, different because I'm not a licensed therapist, so it's different, but it is a similar idea where you go back in timeline. 
And this client had an an issue where she felt like she had to protect herself and had to protect her mom, but she couldn't. And in her this person's labs, she has elevated calcium. And calcium is like cement around your cells, around your tissues, around your organs. This person also has endometriosis, which is a disease where the tissue, like you're growing extra, like a tumor essentially on the outside of all these tissues. So it was really interesting afterwards when we were debriefing, talking about, wow, since she was a kid, she felt this need to protect, to hold, right? And it was like, I could just see it. That exact situation where you're like, okay, the energy had to go somewhere. It went to my hip. For her, I feel like the energy went right to her pelvis, right? And that's like where it, it froze. And obviously, there's no test in the world that can go back in time and be like, oh, when you were five, if you locked that protection in, right. like she didn't have any other tools. And to your point, like if you energy is created, it has to be moved. Like it doesn't just it doesn't just like dissipate. It has to be stored somewhere. So it's just it's really been fascinating for me in lieu of or in, while we're waiting for science sometimes to catch up to this, to really experience this in myself. And hearing stories like yours or experiencing stories with my clients where like this is true, like this is just happening. And we if we tap in, we can experience it and and realize it and we can shift it, which is really exciting. Yeah, 100 percent. And I love what you said about, OK, if you're sitting there listening and like you're like, well, I don't really have any past trauma. We've all experienced stress. Right. And so stress can still get stored in our bodies in the exact same way. And one of the biggest misconceptions that I have seen with people regarding stress and kind of resolving the stress cycle is common knowledge, common wisdom states that, well, if you're stressed out, like you just need to take a deep breath and calm your nervous system down. And that's not necessarily true. Sometimes the energy needs to move up. Sometimes you need to shake it out or dance it out or scream it out and let the energy move up instead of down. It's a judgment call in the moment, but like you will physically feel that sensation in your body of, well, all right, I'm really angry right now. Okay, if you're angry right now, go to a safe spot and start punching a pillow. That's a perfectly safe way to actually let anger move through your body and just do that until you can't do it anymore. And then, because there's always a secondary emotion under anger, then you'll be able to Access the emotion that is underneath that anger. So for anybody listening, like you can Google anger iceberg and it'll give you a really good visualization of kind of like we all know, like that proverbial image of the iceberg, right? Where you can see the top part, but there's like this whole big part underneath the surface that you can't see. And so anger always presents on the surface. It's a difficult emotion. That's one that I think people have a very difficult time relating to because anger gets a bad rap in our society, it gets confused with aggression. (laughs) So, so many people think, oh, I'm feeling angry, but like subconsciously, they're like, oh, I'm feeling aggressive right now. So let's separate the two. Yeah, and and let's do that in one second, because you just, you're like, your mind is amazing and the words coming out of your mouth are like, each piece is like its own podcast episode. I just wanted to reflect real quick on what you said about moving energy up or down. So I, in the year-long mentorship, I, there was level one and level two. And at level two, our coach was much more of an energy coach. And to be completely honest with you, I kind of thought all that stuff was just woo. And then what she did was she did this like side-by-side comparison that kind of reminds me of what you're talking about, where it was like, okay, so say you're angry, you have anxiety, like going through all the emotions, anger, anxiety, all these different things, right? And then she was like, think about anger 
is very active or reactive. It's like a very energizing emotion versus depression, which is like very down. And so you want to match your energetic or somatic choice of a tool with where you're at. And I was like, oh my God, like it kind of just blew my mind. And she even said, for example, like if you were angry, you probably don't want to sit and meditate and be like, oh, namaste, yes. right? That's going to just irritate you more. But you might be able to go and punch a pillow, like you said, or you might even just go for like a run or a vigorous walk or something where you're moving energy. And I, it was the first time I'd ever heard that. And it, I, I guess that's kind of what you're saying here. Like you don't, you, you're not going to, you want to try to tap into where is the energy of that emotion and then match a tool to support you in that not, oh, I have to be calm and everything has to be stressless all the time because that's just, as we know, completely unrealistic, right? Yeah, stress is actually a good thing. Stress is, so, I mean, it's sort of this bend, don't break mentality of, you think about a skyscraper. Skyscrapers are meant to sway in the wind. If you've ever been really high up on a skyscraper, there's certain ones on the 100th floor, you can see the water in the toilet moving because you're like so high up, but they're built that way. Because if they were built to just, if they were built such that they couldn't sway and there was no movement, they would actually snap. And so like, we actually, like stress is a good thing. That's how we grow. Like our system gets stressed. The problem though, is that if we don't have the tools or the awareness of the stress, like then it gets stored in our bodies or we resist it so much that then that snap, like that break happens. But stress is purely like the definition of stress is our biological adaptation to change. That's all stress is. And so we get this, like we have this negative relationship to stress, right? Because yes, like in our modern day society, there are so many stressors and most people aren't equipped to deal with all those stressors or, and then we've also got these little things in our pockets or our purses, right? Called phones that smartphones that are just hijacking yes. our lives. Like they're hijacking our systems. And so, okay, I'm going to pause here because I could go down like 15 different rabbit holes I know, it's right really now. Hard. There's so much to talk about, but yeah, pause. And you're talking about the negative yeah. relationship to stress. Yeah. I want to come back to, so let's just talk about the stress cycle, right? So there's four stages to the stress cycle. Step one, stage one is the trigger, right? It's the thing that comes in and begins to stress us out. It could be your mom saying something. It could be the overwhelm of the holiday season, any number of things. So it's just the trigger. trigger. Step two is the response right? It's the energy actually moving. It's, I just want to scream right now, or I want to tear up this piece of paper. Or the step two could also be like just kind of a shutdown. It could be like, if your conditioning is such that you're going to get quiet rather than get loud, that is also kind of a stage two. Yeah. Stage three is what I call the come down. It's where you get in tune with the emotion that is actually related to the actual trigger. Mm. And so it could be sadness, it could be anger, it could be frustration, it could be, you know, all these different things. But that the stage three is where you're actually able to name it. Yeah. And stage four is the actual resolution. Like the resolution is, okay, now I can just take a deep breath and let it go. And the problem is most people, and, and this is again, conventional wisdom, that we're kind of taught to jump from stage one to stage four. 
Yeah. Don't have anything wrong. Don't feel any negative. Right. With air. Correct. Yeah. Suppress them. And then, oh, wait, we just talked about what happens when we suppress emotions that get stored everywhere in our body. So we're not society. Just to be clear, everybody, our society is not necessarily one that thinks that what we just talked about is normal. And Patrick and I are saying that if you truly want to embrace health, this is a step process that you really do need to start to understand. This is actually really similar to what my mentors called times, and I renamed it as IMEDs, which is just to break it down, which even the idea of breaking it down, as I'm realizing, because I, I was talking about IMEDs with, with a client yesterday, she was like, this is really new for me to stop and think about the emotion or to to recognize what the emotion is. And I think so often I'm noticing we don't even know how to label our emotions sometimes, right? So it's like the steps of this almost in itself will help you because it's again, it's almost like parts. Okay, there's I'm angry because of this. And in IMEDs or dimes, the, what my teachers taught us, the, the step past that is less somatic and more mental. But it's, if this situation were arise to, again, how might I want it to be different? Or is there something currently happening, like a boundary that was crossed that I need to go and talk to this person? In doing that or even starting to idea of that could slow someone down to help them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. But like people generally try to jump from like step one to exactly what you're talking about, like to the analytical part. But like step two is the somatic piece. Like it is the part where you're letting that energy move. And yeah, sometimes you do need to step in and kind of do some parts work with it. Because if you're in a meeting, I mean, all right, your audience is largely female, right? And so it's, if you're in a meeting and you present your idea as a woman and the old white man steps in and it's like, what I think Caroline's trying to say is oh blah, God. blah, blah. And they explain it for you, right? Exactly. Probably going to stir up some stuff, right? But you're not going to start punching the desk in that, in that meeting because for so many reasons, <laughs> that energy does want to move. And so in that moment, my recommendation would be like, see that part of you. See that part of you that is like rightfully pissed off. What I said was what I said. So shut the F up and just let it be. Like I don't need somebody else to interpret my ideas, right? So see that part of you in that moment and be like, all right, girl, I see you. I see you. Or yes, yeah, I see you. And that's the thing, like so much of this, I mean, you, I know you experience this every day in your work with women who have gone through like the traditional insurance-based medical system and have just been told time after time or just gaslit time after time where they're just like, I know something's wrong. Maybe I can't trust my body, but I know that something in my body is telling me that something is wrong. And then they come and find you and you're like, hey, you're not crazy. Yes, like something's absolutely wrong. And we're going to go through a bunch of steps. It might take a little while, but we're going to go through a bunch of steps to get to that root issue. And just being seen and heard and validated. And that's the thing, like these parts of us, First and foremost, they just want to be seen and heard and validated. And this kind of backtracks. I mean, I, of course, I've gone on like a bunch of tangents in this conversation. <laughs> I but but I, this is something going back to the judgment piece that we were talking about earlier. Like one of the key things that I teach my clients to do is not judge any part of you. Because one of the core beliefs of somatic work is that every part of you has wisdom. <laughs> Even that part of you that's like screaming at you, trying to tell you like, no, don't leave your like nice six-figure corporate job and go out on your own and start this business. Even though like your higher self 
so many fibers of your being are like, oh my God, but I'm miserable in this corporate job. And I know I have this other calling to go out and help women with their health and all these different things like you have. But there's this protector part that's obviously going to come up that has wisdom. Like there's absolutely wisdom in that part of you saying, no, don't do this because we don't know if it's going to work out. We don't know if you're going to be able to generate enough income to live and have food and have a roof over your head or whatever. Like that part absolutely has wisdom. And then there's this other part of you that's like, I really feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. And so often what I see is parts are like at war within a person and they're both equally as strong. And so they, for anybody who can't see, which is everybody right now, because it's a podcast, like I'm punching my fists together right now. And so there's this like equal energy coming at each other. And then there's this shutdown because that's where people get stuck because they're like, oh my gosh, there is this part of me that's like screaming at me not to do this thing. But there's other part of me being like, oh, follow this vision, follow my intuition. That's a big thing in, Mm -hmm. in somatic work and something that's generally shunned in our society but celebrated if it has the right name, a la gut feeling, right? That's so good, yeah. Every part of you has wisdom. And the thing that I teach people to do is actually, instead of judging this part of us, instead of judging this part that's like begging to be heard and seen, even if the stuff that it's saying is completely off the wall. Because that's the thing, it's like some of these parts, some of these protector parts, they just get outdated because of past conditioning, And we develop these conditioned tendencies that served us to help us protect our sense of dignity, belonging, and safety. Because at any given moment, we are looking for all of all three of those things. And so we develop these conditioned tendencies early in life or later in life, maybe as a result of trauma and whatever, to protect our sense of safety, dignity, and belonging. Over time, some of those tendencies become outdated. The thing that that part of you is saying just might be completely off the wall and completely ridiculous because you're like facing a situation right now where you're like, I don't understand like why this sense of alarm is like happening in my body. Well, it's it's tracing back to something that it's seen in the past. And you have to trust that. Like you have to trust that part of you has wisdom and it just wants to be seen and heard. Invite others to the table. Invite all, all the parts of you to the table and be like, all right, for five minutes, everybody gets a voice one at a time, protector, go, higher self, go, comedian, go, the warrior, go, and just let them have a voice, but then sit there in your higher self, in the embodiment of your higher self and be like, okay, I see that these two conflicting opinions from these two different parts of me are at odds with each other, right? And then you just sit there and you just imagine like your future self, like five years from now, like where you want to go. Like, all right, well, which voice is actually going to get me there? And then you can choose. You can just say, hey, protector part, I see you. I hear you. You are so, so smart and you have so much wisdom and I appreciate you trying to protect me. But in this case, we actually have to learn something new. And it's scary. Like I get it, but we're going to learn something new. And I need you to sit in the back seat. I'm going to drive. And my higher self is going to navigate in the passenger seat. And you can say things here and there, but I'm sorry, I can't let you drive this time because we need to grow. And you can work with these parts and get them to work in harmony with each other. Because really the protector very often is going to be like, what? I I see. Thanks for, thank you for hearing me. Thank you for seeing me. 
all right, let's try this new thing out. Because if you show it a little bit of the path and you explain to you, you talk to it kind of like you're a five, it's a five-year-old, then it'll be like, oh, okay. All right. Like, I'm still a little scared, but I can actually see that we're going to learn something new. I can see that over time because, hey, give it an example like of something you've learned in the past where, yeah, it was new and scary at first. And be like, this is going to be like that. And I'm like, okay. And that's how you work with the parts. That's how you learn to not judge the parts of yourself, but actually believe and trust in all of their wisdom, even if it is conflicting. And then you get to choose. Like you get to choose which part to listen to. Yes. Oh, so good. So good. And one tiny thing in there before I ask maybe one of my last questions for you that I love that you said was that you can sit at your higher self or in my language, higher perspective. And when you're out out of the event that's happening and you're looking down at these parts, maybe, or you're kind of sitting above it visually for me in my head, that helps me so much because like I'm not in the fray. So then I can just see them objectively and be like, oh, like this is what I need to do. But again, not just skipping even to that part without releasing somatically the emotion or going up or going down that might need to happen for you, right? To fully get it out of your body. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. And sometimes it's not even about necessarily releasing it fully. It's just relating to it different. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like that sense of fear, like when you're doing anything new, <laughs> is generally always going to be there. Fear and curve exists in the same bucket, in the same frequency. We can't have courage unless we have fear. Mm-hmm. And so anybody that's, oh, I'm fearless. I'm sorry. Bullshit. Have you ever tried something? It's it, That's just, it's actually impossible. <laughs> it exists in the same frequency. And so if there's not fear there, well, then you can't be courageous. It's just like, all right, it's a Tuesday. Nothing new is going on. And you're like, well, within your comfort zone. So yeah, it's not always about releasing it per se. It's just about relating to it differently. What was the phrase you used? You said higher perspective. Yeah, just a higher perspective. The way I think about it is if you are like a mouse in a maze and you can't see your way out, you have a very low to the ground perspective, but a higher perspective. I can see the whole maze and I can figure out which way to go. So safer too, right? You're not in the weeds. You're not in the argument in that perspective. Yeah. And so that's actually a perfect analogy for kind of what I'm what I'm about to say is so often like people make the mistake of setting goals. Setting goals is not a mistake, but in trying to achieve those goals and trying to achieve, let's say that five-year plan, they tend to start, okay, I'm here in, you know, 2023, or I guess by the time this launches, it'll be 2024. And I need to get there. And so they're asking themselves right now, okay, how do I get there? Well, to your point, like right now, like you're in the maze, like you only have this limited perspective that is based on all of the ways of being, all of the habits, all of the the identities that you have brought along to this point in time. Those were all well and good because they serve to get you to this point in time. But you and I both know, like when we go through kind of a growth process or you start a business or whatever, well, like then you need to take on a different set of habits, a different set of identities that roll up or a different set of habits that roll up into different identities that maybe you haven't embodied before. So all of that's going to be new. And so what I advise people to do is actually call in that higher perspective or call in that higher self. And in this case, I would say the version of yourself five years from now. So imagine that you have everything on your list and it's five years from now. 
And you are literally like you're living that life of like joy and freedom and abundance. And you've got the mountain home and the the partner and just all that you want. Imagine you're living that life and then ask that version of yourself. Ask your five year from now self, how did I get here? Here meaning five years from now. So don't go from here to there. Go from there and work backwards because that version of yourself, that higher perspective, that higher self is going to be able to tell you, okay, well, I did this, I did that. And here's the steps that I took. And what's going to happen when you do that is it's going to stir up all of the fears, all of the judgments, everything where you're like, wait a minute, hold on. You like you left your job and you didn't have X amount in savings and your higher self is going to be like, yeah. And it worked out because you trusted. And then your now self is going to be going bananas, like the protector in you is going to be like, no, no, but I need this amount in savings. Why not? Then like on a silver platter, it presents the work you need to do. And it presents the new habits and the new identities and the new ways of being. Mm, I love this. And I love that this is this episode's going to come out the second week in January. And a lot of what I was thinking about on this podcast, the relaunch is like exactly what you just said. If you if anyone's read a really great book, but there's two really good books I think everyone listening to this episode would enjoy. One is called No Bad Parts. And the other one is called Atomic Habits. And, the, and in yes. one in particular, in Atomic Habits, he talks about like assuming the identity of the person you want to be. And that's actually one of the very first frameworks that I work with my clients on when they join my program is getting clear about where are we going? Because then as soon as we figure out where we're going, we can start making actions towards that. And then there's going to be a lot of roadblocks. Mo- there's going to be a lot of, oh, my God, stop. Don't do that. Da, 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 da. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the stuff, right? Well, I know we've been on for almost an hour. I, my kind of, I think my last question for you, just kind of going back to the beginning to soma, to somatic work, because we talked a lot about parts, which is great. We talked about uh, emotions. We talked about uh, stress cycle. If someone's listening to this, this is the first time they've ever heard of this work. Is there, are there any exercises or are there any steps or tips that you might tell someone where would you start to even maybe get in touch with their body? and out of their head, for example? Yeah, I mean, the first and foremost, it's just awareness. It is pure awareness. And because we can't do any somatic work, we can't do any work, period, if you're not aware. And so the most, the simplest exercise that I would start with is a simple body scan. Just sit down. There's no goal here other than to notice. And so just sit down, take three deep breaths, and start at the crown of your head and then just start moving down to your temples, to your cheeks, to your jaw, to your neck, to your shoulders, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, right? And just see what you notice. See if you notice any areas of tension. See if you notice any areas of spaciousness or freedom. If the color red comes up when you're like noticing your right shoulder, great. Like that's information. Like, and then, you know, if we were in a session, I'd be like, all right, well, what, is rep- what does red represent to you? Do not get into analyzing. Despite what I just said, that would be next step. But just notice your body. And if you notice, oh my gosh, like this is so uncomfortable. I want to run right now. That's okay. Because that gives us the starting point. There's no wrong answer in yeah. a body scan. If you feel absolutely nothing, if you feel numb, 
because maybe you've been dissociated for a long time because that's part of my story, then that's okay. Like that gives us a starting point for, okay, like maybe we actually need to start outside of your body to kind of see what tactile things that, you know, the sensations, like maybe you just like grab a pin and you start feeling a mm-hmm. pin and you notice the sensations with the pin. Well, that's actually going to bring your body into some sort of alignment with touching, with feeling, et cetera. And then from there, that's the window potentially into your body. So there's no wrong answer with a body scan. It's purely, what do you notice? That's always the first step in somatic work is just, what do you notice? Let's see what comes up. It might be everything. It might be too much. It might be absolutely nothing, or it might be something in between, but just what do you notice? And then if you do the body scan, congratulations, like you have done a somatic exercise and you should celebrate that. Ah, That's amazing. I love that idea. One of the things I'm doing for myself is I'm investing in fun things, but still kind of doing the work. And it's interesting because Kathleen offers voice lessons. And of course, the voice is in and of itself very somatic. And so very first thing we did was take three deep breaths and did body scan. And I know you'll appreciate this because you used to live in New York, too. (laughs) I had thing that I noticed in my body scan was like tension in my shoulders and up here in like my collarbone area. And we kind of did this exercise. And she's like, I wonder what that's telling you. Get curious about it. And, and the image came to me with the man on 59th Street Columbus Circle holding the, at- the atlas. Holding oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I'm holding the world on my shoulders. <laughs> it was like, it's too heavy. Right. And it was like not trying to even change it, just being like aware that, wow, I'm like holding this tension in my body and it's a sensation. It's just a sensation. And I didn't need to like do anything. Actually, just through the act of singing, it was eventually felt better and I felt good. But I just love that idea because it even just for me, this was last week. It was just so profound to do a simple body scan and to get in touch with what I'm what's arising for me in this moment. Yeah, absolutely. I I absolutely love that. And as you were speaking, like just I sort of got this intuitive hit to offer one more exercise (laughs) to let the the energy move a little bit. Because like you said, like our voices, because so many people like there's there is there's so much tension like in our throats and the throat chakra and whatnot, because we silence our voices, like especially like us people pleasers, like I am raising my hand right now as a recovering people pleaser. Yes. And I will just throw, and I've talked about this before on the podcast because I do mostly work with women with hypothyroidism. Our thyroid sits right in our throat. And we've talked about this. We've talked about how I was in an emotionally abusive relationship. I wasn't allowed to express my voice. It was not safe to express my opinion, my thoughts, anything. And I know now, 10, 12 years later, that this was a part of why this developed for me in this particular spot. I believe that the energy focused there because I felt like, oh, I can't move. I can't move. And so it had to go somewhere. So it was like, literally my voice, I would try to speak up and then I would silence myself. The energy would come right back down into my thyroid. So I love that you brought that up. And recovering people, please, they're high. Like, I didn't want him to be mad. Like, I didn't want anyone to be mad at me. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes. So, and it's yeah. great because like you just actually explained, oh, this is why I got that intuitive hit. So, so yeah, so for people, and I would say, especially women, although this absolutely happens in men, because I'm a 100% an example of this, but for people who are not used to using their voice, or you have actually, and I'm not talking singing or whatever, I'm talking just like speaking up for yourself, like speaking your truth, setting the boundaries you need to set, whatever form of using your voice like that take, this is a great exercise to begin 
to get more in tune with your voice. Because one of the things like even, I mean, you and I have both experienced this in therapy, right? We uncover certain truths that are very difficult. Let's say that like maybe you need to speak it to somebody else or you need to speak it to your parents or whatever. But actually just speaking it to ourselves, like just the awareness of the difficult truth that like, oh my gosh, like I love my parents so much. And wow, they really did a number on me in terms of kind of some of their ways of being and patterns and conditioning that they've, you know, passed along to me. And that can just be so difficult to sit with and to hold, much less to even speak it in an empty room to yourself. And so maybe for people who are not used to using their voices as much, I'm going to offer the following exercise. It's just a... So you're just going to sit there and you're literally going to make the noise. It's like just a bunch of Vs. (laughs) Maybe we can demonstrate this on uh, Instagram or something or whatever. But you're just going to go... Almost like you, you like everybody's familiar with the kazoo, right? Like you're just going to make the kazoo noise with your voice, like with your mouth. And that's actually going to stimulate the vagus nerve. That's going to stimulate and it's, actually, it's going to calm your nervous system while also allowing that energy to move upward. So this is this is a more, let's say, like a less activated version of punching a pillow or like screaming into a pillow or something like that. Like maybe you just need to sit down and just go and do it for a few minutes. Like sometimes you need to do these exercises longer than you think, but that's actually still this particular exercise is still going to activate the throat. It's still going to activate part of your voice. So if speaking the actual words of the truth or speaking a boundary or whatever it might be, is too difficult to you for you, just start with the verbs. <laughs> I love it. That sounds great. That's a great exercise, I think. And I'm really excited because Patrick's also coming into my group of women in She Thrives, which is my main program, help women with their thyroid and their hormones and their gut. And I think we should give them the buzz. Well, Patrick, this has been amazing. I can't believe we've been on for an hour just talking and we could probably do five more episodes, but let people know. I know you have a couple of free things that they can tap into and let us know where people can find you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So my favorite thing right now, I've got this seven-day anxiety reset that is completely free. And so we'll link to it in the show notes so you can sign up for it. And you're just going to get one email per day. I think I actually include the VUVs in there. Going to give you a bunch of tools that will, over time, help you regulate your anxiety, help you relate to your anxiety better. And here's the thing. Yes, it's called the seven day anxiety reset. The expectation is not that you're going to completely reset your anxiety in seven days because that's a bunch of BS. And if anybody tells you differently, then they're selling you a bunch of snake oil. What it's going to do is it is going to give you tools that if you use these tools over 30, 60 and 90 days, you are going to see a profound difference in your life over time. And so, and these are tools that have personally helped me. None of them take longer than five minutes. Most of them take less than one minute to actually complete. And oh yeah, that's the thing. Cause, cause I mean, actually speaking of James Clear and atomic habits and whatnot, like I'm really big on simple because that's the thing. Like so many people, this whole journey feels so overwhelming. And so let's keep it simple. Let's keep these things less than five minutes a day. And if you start to stack these up, then you get that muscle memory. 
you get these, you can actually learn, oh my gosh, I'm triggered in a meeting. Let me do the physiological sigh, which is included in the seven day anxiety reset. Let me do any of these other exercises that you will learn in the seven day anxiety reset. It's awesome. It's simple. It's super powerful. So yeah, you can do that. Also, you can find me on Instagram at murph.live. That's also my website. So if you just go to www.murph.live, N-U-R-P-H.live. Yeah, I would love to hear from you. Please reach out. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks so much, guys. So yeah, go to the show notes, check out murph.live on Instagram and the website, and then also sign up for the free seven-day anxiety reset. I know I'm going to be doing that. That sounds amazing. One to five-minute tools to help with anxiety. I'm in. (laughs) So thank you so much, Patrick. Awesome. And we'll see everyone on the uh, next episode. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the She Talks Health podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this with a girlfriend. This is how we get the podcast into the hands of women all over the world. If you'd like to connect with me directly, be sure to shoot me a DM on Instagram as She Talks Health to start a conversation. I'd love to hear from you. Or you may always visit our website, shetalkshealth.com, if you're interested in joining a program or scheduling a future call with me, or even taking advantage of our thyroid and other free resources.